Welcome to Women Who Code podcast. As we come to the end of the year, Women Who Code is looking back at what we've accomplished as a community over the past 12 months. We've hosted more than 1,900 events, uploaded over 700 educational videos, and we've grown to a community of 320,000 members in 147 countries. The Women Who Code podcast has also grown, posting 125 episodes in 2022 and expanding to have three shows, Women Who Code Conversations, Women Who Code Talks Tech, and Women Who Code Career Nav, covering distinct and important topics. In the new year, we will be moving to a new schedule of releasing podcast episodes every Monday and Wednesday with the three shows rotating in as episodes become available. We also have a ton of amazing guests lined up as well as content coming to you directly from our programming. For now, we like to celebrate by remembering some of the best and most inspirational moments from the podcast over the year. Thank you so much for being a listener and for being a part of Women Who Code's community. And so Women Who Code became a very important part of my life during this time. um, And I made a lot of really amazing friends. And so I I just think in general, this is um, a really amazing community. I'm so proud to be a part of it. Women Who Code really is a fulfilling place and a community where you can like really grow personally and connect with different persons with different experience you have so much opportunities because you can like give a talk about something you can learn about uh, others experience you can you can do a lot of uh, different activities in the community it leads me to open my eyes to more out there uh, instead of just seeing what it is in Guatemala and what we have in graphic design, but to expand my opportunities beyond this on my career, right? I started looking back women who code communities email. It's like, yo, maybe that's a place I should go for. Uh, and it it has not disappointed me. Like the first time when I log on Slack, I asked for a resource. People start messaging me and, and I feel like very welcome. For me, I was like, yo, I don't know what I'm going to build, but Hackfell seems fun and I'm not going to do that alone. So for me, I was just, why don't I give it a try? And it did not disappoint me. Hackfell was a great experience. I got the opportunity to travel quite a lot with uh, Women Who Code and I met the um, global team for the first time at Berlin We Rise Summit. Um, in 2018 and I just love the opportunity of meeting other directors um, and the Women Who Code community at these conferences so I just loved my whole overall experience as a director. And I like to uh, share this wonderful story about one of our members uh, in the mobile track, Claudia. She shared in uh, the Slack that she was uh, chatting with her niece, I guess, talking about possible careers, and she suggested uh, to her niece, well, what about uh, software development? And her niece said, well, I can't do that because there aren't any women that code. And uh, I guess Claudia then showed some group pictures of the the mobile track on Twitter, and she said, "Um, these are my friends, and they're all software engineers. So you know, you never know who you could touch by just, you know, being involved in any way you can. 
We are so lucky on the Women Who Code podcast to have amazing technologists as guests who are willing to share insightful career advice based on their own lived experiences working in the technology industry. Let's revisit some of them now. Keep learning, keep practicing. Um, the main thing is, as I mentioned earlier, just to keep learning, um, whether it's through going to conferences or going to meetups, or if you're taking like Udemy or any classes like that, um, just keep on learning um, and surround yourself by people who are you know, there to support you on your journey in technology. I think it's critical to manage your personal brand and make that part of your very conscientious effort as, as your career progress. You got to work hard. You have to consistently perform and you have to um, consistently think about the entirety of the work. You can't just look heads down all the time and type as an individual contributor. And trust me, you better never do that as a leader. Uh, and no one wants to work for a leader who isn't pulling an enormous amount of their weight. If you're not doing that, people don't want to follow you. I think joining the hackathon really helped me with setting a deadline, helping me set a goal for myself that I could reach. So setting a goal and then keeping a target deadline can really help you because what I found was when I got to that deadline, I was able to have created something that I never would have thought of creating before the hackathon. And it gave me a lot of ideas for how I want to improve it in the future. Um, you can't know the things that you don't know, and that just comes with time. When you're in your early career, don't be afraid to just do weird stuff or work at a coffee shop and work on the side. Think Different has always been a model for me, and it has served me well in my career. Empowerment is at the core of Women Who Code's mission, and in our conversations on the podcast, we often have guests that have amazing things to say about their own self-empowerment and the importance of uplifting others. Let's revisit some of them now. Don't be afraid. Um, you know, as you heard in my career journey, every role that I've taken, I didn't have direct experience in, but I was successful because I believed in myself and I knew that I was going to work hard to learn whatever it was that I needed to learn. So don't be afraid to raise your hand for something, even if you don't have all of the experience for it. And just having a tenacity to move forward and find away. Just earlier today, I was listening to one of my mentee or mentors talk about um, being a strong woman and what that's like and how we are built to deal with challenge and how we show up as, you know, women who can, can accomplish anything. And so when I think of really that power narrative at the core of it is being authentic and being willing to connect with people and enjoying that connection with people. Between the tenacity and the connection with people, I feel is how I've been able to really break through different doors and break down barriers and have an impact. If I were to give a pro tip, I would just say for women to believe that they can do it. And like, I do say that go with it. Like whatever you feel like, just take up a project and learn the tech stack around it. It does not take that long. And once you're done with it, have the confidence to carry it around. Have the confidence to say, yes, I built it. Push it on GitHub. I think those re, uh, like people reusing your code and the comments that you get gives, gives you a lot of confidence again. 
it takes 20 seconds of insane courage to like cross that barrier and whatever comes out of it it's, it's always wonderful uh, i would say don't underestimate the power of one you are one person but you have incredible power to make a difference you know imposter syndrome is probably the biggest challenge that i have personally and um, I, I know that I didn't need to go back to school and get a degree, but I did because I felt like I needed to have something sturdier to stand on as a woman entering tech. I didn't feel like, like I could make it without that, um, which is, is not true at all. I know a lot of very successful people who didn't get computer science degrees or finish school at all. Um, it really isn't a determining factor in how successful you are in a technical career. Um, and I think, uh, you know, some of it is because the things that I learned in college, at least, were pretty outdated. Um, so the things that I was working on in school was 10 years <laughs> behind the times of what I was actually building when I went to my internship. Um, you know, but I, I felt like I needed that. And I still, I just get discouraged pretty easily when things don't click because um, in school, everything just was easy for me. And uh, programming is not easy. Um, and it's something that I really struggle with and I have to work hard at it. Um, but it's also a key to not let it paralyze you. And I, I think it's one of the most rewarding things I've, I've done is, is working through when I'm struggling on a program on a programming problem. And when I, I don't think that there's any better feeling in the world when I finally figure it out. Um, it just makes you feel unstoppable. And so I encourage everyone to try to work through those barriers when you can. I think that the longer that I'm in technology and the more experienced I become, I realize how much my perspective is valued in the companies that I choose to share my talents with, right? Because um, women use my product uh, mostly, right? And so that experience is valuable. I think that um, that it is the pizza eating basement dwellers. Yeah, but like my engineers love to hike and they love to fish and we talk about gardening, you know? So there's a lot of different um, room for places to grow. And then depending on what your passion is, there's so many different, especially here in Cincinnati, we are Lord blessed with like, a lot of Fortune 500 companies, plus a lot of startups. So we have a lot of variety of experiences that you can have within the city. Um, so I think that's a common misconception. How do you overcome it? You have more people in the room that look different than you. You have more people in the room um, and you make sure that you make the room inviting to people with different viewpoints because that makes better products. It makes everything better when we have more people, more variety building things. What's most interesting for us as a team is when people assume that he's the breadwinner in our partnership, particularly salespeople, car salespeople, realtors, builders. I'm admittedly shielded from much of this in my life, but when I encounter these stereotypes and biases, I am still surprised every time, every time. I need to find my words to tell them that I am a leader in a large financial services firm. I don't do it for my ego. I do it for every woman who comes behind me. 
Diversity, equity, and inclusion in the tech industry is an important topic that's been discussed on the Women Who Code podcast, including how improvements can be made. Many of our guests have made powerful and important statements on this topic. Let's revisit some of them now. Ever since I started my company and also volunteering for Women Who Code, I have to say I can see gender inclusion you know, led to positive outcomes every day. So one of the most recent examples we've, um, we experienced was uh, last year, we partnered with VMware and Women Who Code Bangalore. And then we conducted over about maybe eight month training uh, to have cloud community coaches inside of our community. And one of the coaches now moved uh, from VMware to working for Google. And he is actually working on our IWD events with Google now, and also wanted to launch the new initiative with us uh, under Wimuko Taipei. So I have to say, you know, gender inclusion, um, no matter what happens, you know, during our process of, you know, working as a community event or, you know, working as volunteers in our org, I have to say there are so many good things happens every day. When I walk into a Target or a Walmart, I would see that there would be these pink and purple Legos for girls. And they're typically like a dollhouse or an ice cream stand, something really easy to put together. But then when you go towards the boys' side, that's when the blue and the brown Legos, which are like Star Wars or battleships and um, the complicated one, like 1400 pieces and like important ones that actually, you know, so... What I did when I, um, as a part of our being a robotics coach, I also work with uh, underprivileged uh, schools around uh, San Jose. So I would take these different uh, blue kits and go and give it as gifts to girls. Um, because I also realized in my, in my career and my journey with working with children, that it is somewhere around the middle school mark that the girls make a decision to shy away from STEM or not be a part of STEM. So that's the age that you have to tap. So being a robotics coach, it really gave me that avenue to help uh, uh, work in my community, give back to my community. I had a donor who commented that they, they chose to give to Women Who Code because they thought that they were a part of the problem at one point. They thought that they were a diverse and equitable industry. and then. You know, upon realizing it was kind of a boys club and, and, you know, unconsciously they were contributing to that and they wanted to make sure that that was changing and recognizing that there are so many smart, inspiring, you know, and powerful women and, and people of diversity that are out there that could really contribute to their organization. Yeah, I mean, I've been doing a lot of thinking about kind of how we get more women in engineering because, um, you know, everywhere I've worked, I've definitely not worked at parity. Um, we do a lot of looking at the initial funnel. So one of the things that we found is even at the job ad stage, we're actively repelling women because women read job ads very differently to the way men read job ads. So women will see a list of nine mandatory things and they'll have eight and they're like, oh, this I can't do this job. And like a guy will literally look at it and go, I got none of them, but I'll be great. Um, so it's about writing the job ad in the first place in a way that's not actively repelling women and then going through the interview process. It's looking at values rather than, you know, these particularly like get up here and do a whiteboard test. It's like, does this person have the right values? 
Um, and we base a lot of recruitment on that because it's not necessarily about kind of these old technical style Google ways of interviewing anymore. Like we're, we're just actively taking women out of the funnel by doing that. Well, I, I actually have a somewhat similar story um, to Anne in terms of college, but um, I had the wonderful benefit of my mom was a research scientist. She got her PhD in 1976. And so I basically spent my life hearing about her experiences and her challenges. And she was like on committees for getting more women in science. And um, I also didn't really know what programming was and kind of fell into it. But um, I eventually ended up getting my master's. And at that point, I had had a job um, and I had to take this graduate class. I think it was in networking. I don't totally remember. The professor was new. He wasn't great. I like wasn't doing well. And so I went to him for help. And I said, look, like your lectures, the book, the tests, they're not like all coming together for me. Like, what do you suggest I do? And he knew that I also had a liberal arts degree. And his response was, well, some people are good at reasoning about numbers and some people are good at humanities. And I was like, okay. Um, so I left and I was very upset and I called my mom and I was like telling her about this. And she's like, listen up, this is what you're going to do. She was like, number one, you need to find other women in computer science. Number two, you need to find other people in this class to study with. And number three, I know about the tenure process and we're gonna write a letter to the head of the department. Um, which all of it actually, as I've learned later and done some teaching and done some research is really backed by science. There is a lot of science that in education, in the workplace, when people who um, are in the minority are marginalized, get together with other people like this event, like women who code and are able to just have a moment where they're like, I'm not alone in this. Oh, you're experiencing this too. It isn't just me. It isn't like me personally, um, can be a really powerful thing. All of us as an industry should come up together and, and treat this problem more seriously. I would love to hear more from the community how they handle bias in AI. Um, related to the gender bias in technology, I remember one time I interviewed one of the like top executive in, um, in our industry. Um, he's a male and he's he actually uh, pretty bluntly or honestly uh, told me the concerns uh, when he has you know hiring needs. And a lot of his engineer managers are actually also male. So uh, one of the concerns they have is if they hire more female engineers in the team, they would have to do more um, trainings. So that's one of the things that, you know, um, that's a, you know, really the honest feedback from, from them. And that's one of the things that for me to think about, you know, the gender bias uh, is actually an opportunity to improve, not only uh, really just for us to promote maybe more companies with better hiring policies or um, really put into diversity into practice, but also really just to promote more um, you know, diverse workforce and, you know, wanted to, um, you know, really make things happen for, for all of us. So, so these are things I feel like, you know, it's still existing in our industry. Uh, I really appreciate those honest feedback and also wanted to see if we can ha have more companies that join forcefully be able to put uh, those diversity, you know, into real actions for us. Um, Fatima, what about you? How have you seen um, gender bias showing up in technology and the products that we experience or the, in the way that they're built? 
yeah, mm, you know, just like everyone said, uh, it's usually uh, happening all the time, but we just didn't notice it. So when you go back and uh, like look at uh, like, for example, Siri um, or Alexa, those uh, virtual personal assistants, when they came out, they came out with a default uh, female voice because uh, it's like a stereotype that um, make the majority of uh, like secretaries and assistants, uh, they are female. So that's like highly biased. But at the time that it came out, we probably didn't notice it. And do you know what's interesting um, about that, Fatima, is in England, um, Siri is a man because they thought English men wouldn't take orders from a woman. So it's amazing. There's so much to unpack there, right? We must learn to respect and work with each other, respect the difference, understand the difference, and then make the best out of it. When I see that there aren't women in technology and I see less women of color in technology, I stand up for um, the women who are afraid to speak up. And I uh, feel like it's my responsibility to be that representation um, for women in technology. So. I find that I'm constantly um, not only encouraging my teams, um, the women that I work with to speak up, to um, bring things out when they see things um, and to hold the company accountable, but I am the voice when I see that, that other people can't. I feel like um, I really appreciate my, my organization, but you don't make any company, person, anything like that better if you're not giving them feedback. And so sometimes uh, I'm a little loud with the feedback, but it, it helps. Um, I owe it to my company to allow them to improve on the opportunities that they have. So between always being um, encouraging to my coworkers and the, the women especially to speak up, um, but also for being that voice for them and being that representation for women and even women of color in IT and my organization and wherever else I touch. for listening to the Women Who Code podcast. To find out more about our mission and the work we do across the tech industry, visit our website, womenwhocode.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Women Who Code. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel with hundreds of hours of free educational videos. Just go to youtube.com backslash women who code. Thanks again for listening. And remember to subscribe, rate and comment.